Okay. Yeah, I'm back. So, we're going to be looking at Hebrews 12, 12 through 29 today to finish off chapter 12. You see, many of us accept Christ. Many of us say we believe in Jesus. But few mature and grow in him. Lots of us say we believe that he existed. We believe that he went to the cross. But we forget there because we want cheap grace is what it is. It's cheap grace. That is cheap grace. That's saying what God did for you, he did for you. And now I can live however I want. That's not how it works, by the way. That's not how the Bible explains it. And that is what cheap grace is. Grace that just says, okay, I'll, I'll take the present, but I don't want anything else from you, God. I don't want you to control my life. I want to do whatever I want, when I want. Well, you really didn't accept Christ if you lived like that. I would be on my knees begging for Christ if that's how I, I, I thought myself. Because I would go, if there's no change... What's the problem? What, what's the problem? I should have changed because when God comes into your life, he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he literally lives inside of you. Every one of you. And then how, if that is the case, can you go out and continue to live the way you live and not feel any remorse or guilt? See, we accept Christ, but we don't want to grow in Christ. Through his word and his spirit, we are reminded how to live. See, the Bible doesn't tell you everything you should do. I mean, it didn't, there's nowhere in there that says, Edwin, you should move to America when you're this old and you're going to go to do this and then you're going to go to this church. That, that's not in the Bible. Okay, but it does tell you how to live. And really, there's really three things that we, we, should, we should know. Is that we should love God. You know, we should love God. He's the creator. That's why we come to church, by the way. The reason we come to church is to tell God that we love him. We should, we should love people. That's why fellowship between believers is so important. That we love God, love people. But there's a third thing that we really need to do. We need to serve. So we need to love God, love people, and serve. They're the three things that we need to get right, by the way. This church needs to get right. It's them three things. It's love God, love each other, and then we serve other people in our community and in the world. That's why we have a good missions team in this church, because we want to reach lost people, not just in our city, in our city, but also around the world, because that's what God calls us to do. So if you read your Bible, the Spirit is going to convict you of your sins. Now, your sins might not be the same as my sins, okay? 
your sins could not be a sin to somebody else because they don't distract that other person from worshiping God still. Some people can watch one episode of a TV show and turn the TV off and not have to binge watch. I would say if you've got to binge watch the, the, the next Netflix show that comes out, that might be a problem for you because that's taking time away from worshiping God. I'm not saying watching a TV show is wrong. I'm saying if that's all you're doing, you're not really worshiping God, are you? You're worshiping the TV. And now you've got a little G God. And it's called Netflix. And that's a big thing in this world today because we carry little gods in our pockets all the time. People spend more time on their cell phone probably in the first hour they are awake than they spend in the Bible the whole week. That's pretty sad. That's pretty sad. And despite these warnings from Scripture and the Spirit, man, us, continue to resist and live as we please. We still don't choose God all the time. I mean, God saved you. We sung that he saved us. He was nailed to a cross for you. And then we, when we, that's why I call it cheap grace, by the way, because if you think that, yes, God paid for your sins by being nailed to a cross, you're absolutely right. That is grace. But what makes it cheap is if you don't think that changes you. That changes your value system. Because you can either be, you can either have the big G God as your God, or you can have lots of little G gods ruling your life, and telling you how to live. We are blessed in this era, but we're also cursed in this era because we have so much that we could find out just by picking up our phone in a few seconds that we don't even think anymore. Have you been in a discussion with somebody and you're, you're discussing, I'll say, not arguing, but you're discussing a fact, and one person says, hey, this is what I believe. This is, this is what they said. And you go, no, this is what they said. And before you even think about what they were actually saying, you Google search it because it's easier. You don't have to use your brain. Or you can't remember a name of somebody that's famous, but you know what they've been in. So instead of racking your brain to use your brain cells that God gave you, you Google search the movies that you know this actor's been in, then look for all the actors that are in this movie. We do this all the time for different things. We don't use our brains anymore. We have we literally thrown our brains in the trash because we have a mini computer in our pocket. Most people don't even read anymore. I mean, that's sad to me. That's why the Bible's hardly picked up anymore, because we don't read. We live in a generation that we skim through stuff, and we don't read. And this is where we're going to get to. We're going to have some warnings on to remember, because I love the way this, this the, the, verse 12 starts. Therefore, 
That word's used quite a bit, by the way, in, in the Bible. And it means, therefore means, what was just said, now, therefore, this is what you should be doing. If this is true, now you should live your life like that. That's what that therefore is there for. So you, you, anytime there's a therefore in the Bible, you need to pay a close attention what was written before that and after that. So he says, therefore lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. See, we, we are called to Christian holiness. People say, well, we can't live a holy life. Okay? We can't, we are not, we cannot be 100% holy because it we just won't happen. Because we're not perfect human beings. We, we sinned. We are sinners by nature. So we would rather sin than live a godly life. Because sin looks more attractive to us than what God has created. You see, we are worshippers of the creation, not the creator. That's where we mess up. We need to worship the creator, not his creation. We do it all the time. In every aspect of our lives. I mean, parents do it every week when they have to worship their kids because they're playing some sort of sport. And they have to be there. And they have to do all this stuff. And, and, and what happens is your children or your grandchildren could be your little gods. Because you start worshiping them, the gift that God has gave you, instead of worshiping God. See, so he says, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. See, we need to make a resolution to obey Scripture, to live for God not against God. Not one of us is going to do this perfectly. We can't. Not this side of heaven. But that should be our goal. That should be our goal. Ephesians 6.10 that Andrew read, the, the first verse 10 said, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Here's a, here's, a, here's a big thing. You can't be holy. You can't be good. But Jesus, the Spirit, can work it in you. That's the key. The key is you can't do it. But God can. If we lived by that one piece of information, we would be changed 
dramatically. If we really believe that I can't, but God can, we would be changed. See, with our determination and God's help, we will be unbeatable combination. If we fully trust God, you will be unbeatable. If you fully surrender to God. But that surrender is so, so hard. Verse 14 says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. We need to, again, we need to strive for righteousness. How many see that the world is broken and John, you need to turn the back fan on? I'm going to have to borrow my wife's fan for somebody in this church. (sighs) You need to start bringing it. Peter said that we should be holy. Why? Because God is holy. Do you think Peter knew that we couldn't be holy on our own? I mean, Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus, you've got to see, because when we first watched The Chosen in this church on Wednesday night, David asked us a question, which character you, you thought was you? And I said, Peter, okay? Not knowing that, that season three was coming and... In like episode 7 or 8, he has a temper tantrum that just looks just like mine. Because he wasn't perfect. We can't be, no. We're not perfect. But it was, it was so funny. They, they've got labels on the back of them controls, by the way. One says front, one says back. Okay. I did say people don't read anymore. Okay. Pam's going to have to come sit up front. She's been scolded. First Peter 1.16 says, Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Jesus said, the pure in heart would see God. Being pure in heart doesn't make us perfect. Being pure in heart makes us want what God wants. You understand that, don't you? That, that, that you're, you, to be pure in heart is to want what God wants for your life. That is being pure in heart. Following God in all God has for you. Because God's got big plans for you. And the reason I know that is because you all woke up this morning and you're all still breathing. That means he's not finished with you. 
He's got a plan for your life. He wants to use you, but you can only be used if you allow him to use you. Holiness is not something we pray for. It's something we practice. You know you, you know what's right. I mean, there's not one person in here, if you've been following Christ, that don't have something happen and go, wow, I could walk away from this $10 richer, or I could be honest. I mean, I'm just using my example because when I got saved... I was at Walmart and I had two cases of Mountain Dew and they used to only cost $5 a case and they were in the bottom of the cart and the lady scanning because that's when they used to scan the groceries for you before you scan your own. Hadn't scanned them. And it was before they had a door checker for your receipt. So I got all the way to my car, which was at the back of the parking lot. And I'm unloading it and realize on the receipt that I hadn't paid for the Mountain Dew. Now, I had one or two things I could do. And I can tell you what I would have done before as a Christian, because I did it. But I felt so condemned that they were in my car. I walked all the way back to the door, went into the store, went to customer service. Not because I'm a good person, because God was condemning me at this point in my life. And saying, you need to do the right thing. And line, got in a queue. And if you've been in customer service in Walmart, it's not a five-minute job. It's like a 15, 20-minute job. So I'm waiting. Shelly's in the car wondering what's taking so long to pay for some Mountain Dew that I didn't pay for. And this is how I know that was a God thing. Because Walmart used to have layaway. Okay? And I wasn't a Christian. And I put this stuff on layaway at Christmas. And in the, in the box, I went back and said, look, I can't buy this, this, and this. Like weeks before, I picked up the layaway items. So there was, a, there was some video game and some, it was like $70, $80 worth of stuff in there that was supposed to be out of the box. I, not being a Christian, go pick up my... Uh, layaway stuff and I get out to the car and I open the box to check everything's in there and to my surprise, guess what? They didn't remove the stuff and guess what I said? Merry Christmas! Thank you! I didn't say it this way. There was probably some cuss words in there. Merry Christmas, Walmart! There might have been a word before Merry in, in my vocabulary back then. But that's what I said and drove off. I've not been able to do that. That's not because I'm a good person. That's because God won't let me do that anymore. Anytime that I've got the wrong change, not, it makes me feel bad immediately. It makes me feel bad. I can't do it because God works on your heart if you allow him to work on your heart. Some people would say, hey, that's a blessing from God. I just got blessed with two cases of Mountain Dew. But it's not. So we need to let God work in us, but we need to practice 
practice what we say we believe. We need to practice what we say we believe. See, because his word cleanses us. That's why we should be in his word. Because that's going to help us grow and, and have different views in our worldly world. Psalms 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. That's how you stay pure. That's how you stay pure. You read scripture. You let scripture condemn you and say, look, I shouldn't do that. See, have you noticed? Because this will happen to you. Okay. How many people watch Shrek? I'm glad there's a few people that have watched Shrek. Okay. I love the scene when Shrek is walking with Donkey. And Donkey, they do such a great job. Donkey is saying, what are ogres like? And he goes, well, we've got layers. And he goes, what, like a parfait? And, and, and the ogre says, Shrek says to Donkey, no, we're not like parfaits. We're like onions. And he goes, onions? Nobody wants to be like an onion. But they have layers. Our sin has layers. I don't know about you, but when I first came to Christ, I had some blatantly, obviously, really deep, open, like, yes, that's a sin. I could see clearly that that was a sin for my life. I'm sure yours was the same way. When When you first met Jesus, you go, wow, yeah, I shouldn't be doing that. That's the outside skin and the outside layers. But then we, as we grow, we've got more layers and more layers. The, 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 the longer we walk with Christ, the, the more layers he reveals is a sin to you. So we have to, we have to be careful and we have to listen to the Holy Spirit. Or we can end up in regret. Verse 16 and 17 says that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards he desired to inherit the blessing. He was rejected. He found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. See, we don't want to regret our choices. We don't want to regret our choices. We don't want to have to be at the end of our life and go, wow, God could have done so much more in my life if I just allowed him to work there. Going to watch a movie tomorrow. Actually, Kathy's going to watch it today, but it's called Jesus Revolution. And it's based on the 1969-1970 Jesus Revolution, uh, where the movement started. That's where we get all the songs, basically, that we sing today. That type of music was invented by the hippies of the Jesus movement. Uh, But there's a character in that movie called Lonnie, and I forgot his last name, but Lonnie was a street preacher, hippie, that became a pastor. Okay? This isn't going to ruin any of the movie, if you're going to see it. So, but 
when he spoke, hippies and other people just like were mesmerized by God. And it was an act of God. I mean, there was literally in this movement, miracles happening from this. There was legit miracles. People were being, blind people were being able to see again. Okay. But this Lonnie followed God for a few years in California. And then he went to work on his marriage with his wife in Florida, started a little bit of church. He got involved in Vineyard. But then he walked completely away from God and went back to his hippie lifestyle for uh, several, several years until he finally got AIDS and he ended up on hospice. And Greg Lowry, if you've ever heard of Greg Lowry, he's got a big church in California. Uh, he was saved in this movement. He's a character in the movie too. He was saved in this movement. And he went to see him. And, and, and on that deathbed, he repented of all the sin in his life. I believe he's saved and he's in heaven. Even though he, he lived a, a very sinful, very immoral life for part of it. Okay? Uh, I believe he's in heaven because he repented of the sin that he committed and wanted to actually preach again. And he didn't get to because he was so, AIDS had just wiped him completely out. Whenever he spoke throughout his, his life, though, he died at a young age, but wherever he smoked, spoke, God moved. What could have God done if he had fully submitted his life to him? What? Well, I don't think he would, I don't think, I think God can cure you from AIDS, but I'm saying, how many more people would he have put it, brought to heaven? Because when he spoke, people confessed their sins and followed Jesus. But for the first part of the, the Jesus movement, he had a pastor that had some really good theological background that guided him. And then he kind of went his own wayward way. But that's what you could be like. I actually feel sorry for him because we can either submit to the life that God's got planned and live the rest of our life for God, or or we can choose to live it for us. Christian history. We need to remember Christian history. We don't need to live in the past. We need to remember the past. Verse 18 and 19. For you have not come to what what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and a sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the heavens beg that no, no further messages to be spoken to them. You see, God has always been speaking. We don't always listen. God spoke to the Israelites in lightning and thunder. 
Exodus 20, 18 says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. They were afraid of God's voice. And rightly so, by the way. See, I always, people think what's going, what is going to happen when we die. And I believe I'm going to fall flat on my face in front of a, 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 the most holy, holy being ever. It's not whether I'm going to stand or whether, because all of Scripture, anytime they are faced with either Jesus pre-incarnate or God's voice, God, they fall flat on their face. Because they know how wicked they are. See, if you think you're going to be standing up when you see Jesus, you must think you're a good person. You don't deserve what Jesus gave you. So we need to remember. We need to remember that. We need to remember the sacredness of The acts of God. See, when God spoke, Moses and the people shook with fear and respect. Exodus 20, 19 through 22 says, And said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen. That's the crowd. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off when, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, thus you shall say to the people of Israel, you have seen for yourself that I have talked with you from heaven. Verse 23. And the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteousness made perfect. See, this is the beauty of God. We are not perfect right now. We are not going to be perfect this side of heaven. But he is making you perfect. One day your spirit is going to be totally perfect. One day there will be not an ounce of sin in your body, your mind. You won't want to disobey God. You will want to please Him. Verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to, sprinkle, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See, we have Christ, the mediator. Have you thought about that? Jesus is standing in the gap for you. He has given you his righteousness and took away your unrighteousness. 
When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. As long as you've put your trust in him, that's what he sees when he looks at you. He sees his perfect son. He sees his perfect son. You see, he stands between God and man. There is only one mediator, and that is Jesus. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that is Jesus. And he says, the road is narrow. Not not me. The Bible says he's the only way. If we believe the Bible, then we have to believe that Jesus is the only way. Acts 4.12 says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Which should build Christian respect. Verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he was promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Those who rejected Christ in Moses' time were punished. Psalms 9.17 says this, The wicked shall return to Shehol, all the nations that forgot God. I believe in heaven and hell, by the way, just so you know. I believe that, that there's a hell and some people are going there. I believe that with all my heart, that, that God has saved some and some will never accept him. And they will, they will go to hell and they will be punished by a loving God. See, here's the problem is I would say that, and I've said it many times to, to different people, and they'll go, well, if God's so loving, why would he allow anybody to go to hell? And I say, because he's so loving, he allows them go, to go to hell. Because here's the problem with it. If somebody doesn't want to be in your presence, why would you force them to be in your presence? If they don't want to know you now, they're not going to want to be in God's presence when they die. What do you think that would be for them? How? They didn't believe in God now, so they don't want to believe in God afterwards being forced to believe in him. See, that's why we have a loving God. That's my answer. Look, do I understand God? No. But I do know this, that he's a loving God. And he is not going to force anybody to be in his presence that didn't want to be in his presence on this side of heaven. Mark 16, 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. These are, these are Bible verses. These are Jesus talking. This is... This is Not man talking. We are changing what the Bible says 
in the world today. Not me, because I believe the Bible 100%, but you can go to churches that don't line up with Scripture. Yet they say that they believe in a Savior that came and died. And their thing is, well, he's full of grace, so he's going to cover my sins. As many as they are, and yes, he will. But if you, if you accept him, you're supposed to turn your life over to him. And then that's where things change. And that passage is, is when, when you say grace, it always has to be in truth. So if you don't teach what the Bible says about the truth, then you have a problem with the grace part too. Verse 27 says, The phrase... Yet one once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. You do realize, you know, uh, David used to put up a picture of the U-Haul with the hearse carrying the U-Haul on the back. And, and all of the stuff that you have on this planet is going to stay here. All of the treasures you build up here are going to stay here. Unless we're talking saved souls. The only thing you can take to heaven with you is other people. That's the only thing you can take to heaven with you. I want to take a lot of people to heaven with me. I want you to take a lot of people to heaven with you. But the only thing you can take to heaven is other people. Because all of the things are going to pass away. I mean, we can see that. We live in a technical, technical age that if you've got a, 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 a phone, it's out of date when you buy it. If you've got a computer, you know how many times I bought the latest iPad or the latest Mac, and then the next day they bought another one out. I'm like, well, I should have waited for a day. It happens all the time because we technology is, is a throwaway thing in this world. Yet, yet we put so much value on all of this stuff. 2 Peter 3, 10 through 11 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are this to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you be, to, be, to be in lives of holiness and godliness? See, only eternal things will endure. Verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God Acceptable worship with reverence and awe. When you come here this morning, were you in a hurry? Trying to get here on time, trying to do whatever. I can tell you this, it's hard to just show up. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not picking on anybody. It's hard to just show up and not, and then be ready to give God the reverence that is deserved for him. It's a matter of making your heart right. And I'm saying, if you are in a hurry and you've made, we, we all have been there, you should be 
no radio, talking to God all the way to church, helping, helping him. Do you know what I say before I preach every time now? It just started like two months ago. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I say about 20 times before I preach now in my head because I know that I can't do this without him. I've got to prepare my heart to do this. We have to prepare our hearts to worship God with all our reverence. Verse 29, for our God is a consuming fire. Do you know what that's talking about? Go back a little bit when he says everything will be put in a fire. Okay? When I read uh, 2 Peter 3, 10 through 11. God is going to burn you. And whatever's left is holy. Whatever's not holy is going to be burned away. How much, if you, was to, if you think about your life today, how much of you would be burned away today? Because God is a consuming fire. He hates sin. How much of our life needs to change to follow Him? Yes, you are saved by grace and grace alone. I understand that. But I believe that if you are saved by grace, it changes you from the inside out. It makes you a different person. You don't crave the same things that you craved before he entered you. That is what happens when you become a Christian. Because guess what? We can't do it. We can't do it. We are sinful human beings that are are also saints. We are saint and sinner at the same time. Hopefully, the sinner part's being covered up by the saint part. But, we struggle. That's why family is so important. That is why other Christians in your life are so important. That's why love God, love people means hold people accountable. Love people. Pour into other Christians' lives by loving them. But don't forget, We exist to take this message elsewhere. That is why we're supposed to serve people. Because it's a fine line between what we do in church and don't fill it up with church stuff. Because if we fill everything up with church stuff all the time, we'll have no time for neighbor stuff. And knowing our neighbors. And knowing the people around us. How are we going to invite people to church if we don't know them? If we don't know where their struggles are. We have to believe what the Bible says to be able to do this. But we need Jesus to be able to do this. We can't do it alone. We cannot do it alone. So, the Bible has many warnings. It has many, many warnings. We see those who... He did those warning, warnings were successful. 
You know, when you read the Old Testament stories, you see people that heeded God's word that were successful. But you also seen people that were rejected for, because they rejected God's warnings. They turned away from God. See? In daily life, we see those who heed God's word and are a success. And when I say that, I don't mean success that you're going to be rich and famous success. I mean you're going to be successful for God's kingdom. Because that is the ultimate goal. To live for God and God's kingdom to be fuller at the end of of your life because you existed because God used you. Not because you're perfect, not because you are capable, because God used you to bring people to him. To witness to other people, to get to know other people. See, we also see those who rebel against God. And what do they experience? Sorrows, pain, and problems. So, who do you want to be? Do you want to be a Jesus freak, a Jesus follower? Or do you want to live for the world and take nothing with with you when you die? Because you could be saved and not take anything to heaven. But I'd rather be saved and have a bunch of people that go, because you spoke to this person, and this person spoke to this person, this person spoke to this person, I'm in heaven. You didn't even meet me. But it's because of a seed that you planted here. That's what we need to live for. We want to heed God's warnings. So next week, we're going to be talking about our duties as Christians. So read Hebrews 13 to get ready for the last sermon in Hebrews. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you're an amazing God. You have healed us from our sin. We need to give it all to you and and surrender our lives to you. Because you are perfect and holy. And you want to to work in our lives and save us as only you can. We thank you. We pray that you can change our hearts. To be people that are proud to say we believe in you. And that we are redeemed because of what your son Jesus Christ did for us. In Jesus name I pray. Amen.